Yes. So, good morning. It's really, it's just good to be here. I, when I was sitting there, I just felt like God wanted to encourage you to, oop, let me get this better. There, is that better for the sound people? Um, I just felt like God wanted to encourage you. Uh, if you're new, um, I, I hope that you're able to feel welcome into this community. I know it's a really good community. If I didn't actually pastor a church, I would probably I would go to a church like this, except it's on the west side, which and I'm on the east side, and you know that whole thing? It's not really... The two shall never meet. But... Um, so, there was a song many years ago that came out. It was by a lady named Janice Joplin. And some of you Jan- know Janice. I don't, I don't think she wrote it. She might have. I can't remember. But it was, the words go like this. It was called, Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. I worked all, hard all my life. No help for my friends. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Right? And then it goes on with some other words, which are kind of cool. But it's basically kind of a, a, a sort of a joking song, prayer thing. But it's really um, something that, that all of us do at different times in our lives. Even people who, who don't know God put requests out there. Have you noticed that, like on the Internet and other places? People will shoot things out there in hopes that somebody will see it and respond. Sometimes it's their pain. Uh, Sometimes people post on whatever, Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media platforms you post on. But there's this this desire to to be heard, to cry out. There's there's a lot of songs that are about kind of crying out to this unknown God. And many people... Um, are crying out in in our culture and in our world to an unknown God. And so today I want to talk about one of Jesus' passages on prayer. And one of the challenges with speaking about prayer is everyone feels guilty about prayer. Isn't that funny? We always feel like, well, I don't pray enough. I don't pray good enough. I'm not good enough. Um, I should pray more. I should pray longer. I should pray, you know, do, do any of you relate to this, you know? I think we all do. And I think that in some ways, that isn't what God or Jesus, the the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit want us to experience in prayer. I think, in fact, um, it's a little bit more like when when our daughter was really little. She's 39 now, so she's not really little anymore. Um, But when she was really little, I was at seminary, and Therese and I were... I don't remember what I was doing, but we were in seminary housing, and we had this apartment. And she went up to the refrigerator, and she asked us, and she said, I want to, she was just little, and she said, I want to see pickle. And we're like, okay, see pickle, hmm. Now, my wife's Norwegian, so I thought, well, I don't know, maybe there's some Norwegian sea pickle thing there or something, but both of us sat there, and, and Bethany, our daughter, kept going, I want to see pickle, please. I want to see pickle, please. And we're like, do you want it? We were pulling out pickles, olives, you know, anything that looked like, I want to see pickle. And she finally started getting really frustrated and started crying. She goes, I, I just want to see pickle. And we're like, see And finally it dawned on us, you know, she wanted what? Yeah, you guys know. We're like, you would have been better parents than we are. 
So maybe, maybe, maybe she needs to be reparented by somebody who knows what she's asking for. Um, but anyway, yeah, she wanted a popsicle. Well, our response was, was, and I can't remember if we had popsicles at that time in the freezer, but even if we didn't, we probably would have gone out and gotten one because she's our daughter. And, and there isn't really almost anything other than things that would hurt her that I wouldn't do for her. She calls me up almost, not always, sometimes she'll call me up just to see how I'm doing, see what's going on, but often she'll call me up and say, hey dad, one of my tires is flat. She's a, a single woman, and she'll go, one of my tires is flat, and guess what I do? I'll drop whatever I'm doing and I'll go, okay, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. If I see that she's called on my phone, I'll even, sometimes even if I'm in the middle of a meeting, I don't usually interrupt meetings with phone calls, but if it's my daughter, sometimes I will. I'll be like, excuse me one second, it's my daughter, you know? Even if it was the president, I would probably be like, excuse me, my daughter, a little bit higher priority than you are. Um, so today we're going to look at that. We're going to look at Jesus encouraging and inviting and actually um, almost pressuring, not pressuring, but just saying, hey, I want you to ask. And so the passage I'm looking at is in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12, and it's ask, seek, and knock. And some of you, if you're newer in your faith, it's, it's in a, one of the Gospels called Matthew. It's one of the first books in this thing called the New Testament. And I say that because we've, I've done a lot of Bible studies, and I realize sometimes there'll be people sitting in a Bible study going, we, we, had, we did a Bible study once, and there, was, there were a couple in there that really had not a lot of Bible background at all. And we said, okay, let's turn to Luke, whatever, 10 or 11 or something. And they're like, what? What's that? And so we're like, okay, that's, so we just explained. And there's no shame if you don't know some of those kind of things. That's all right. Matthew's one of the Gospels that was written. It's, it's the first one in what's called the New Testament. And Jesus is writing this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you really want to know what, it, what does it mean, what does it look like to follow Jesus, read the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And it's an amazing sermon. It's really I mean, it's just amazing. But he says in this part, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who, asks, who, everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, it's kind of encouraging that Jesus goes, you guys, I know that you're kind of evil, that there's like stuff in you. You know, I don't know if you've realized that. The, the longer I've been a Christian, the more I realize kind of how broken I am. Has that happened to any of you? Or maybe I'm just, I'm from Minnesota, maybe I'm just a grumpy old man and I just keep getting worse. But um, I, think, I don't think it's necessarily that I'm getting worse. I think I'm just getting, becoming more aware of my brokenness. If you, though, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the Law and the Prophets. And Father, just, I, I just, <laughs> Lord, I'm talking about prayer, and I'm praying for you to help me to um, uh, have power and grace to speak on prayer, because you spoke these words um, 2,000 years ago, and you spoke them because you wanted to encourage us to come to you, to, to ask you, to seek from you, to knock, to bring everything before you. And so we do that today, Father. Amen. There was a, um, a, a book that was written by a Norwegian pastor. My, my wife is, Nor- she's 100% Norwegian from generations past, I mean, you know, back to Adam or something, I'm not sure. I don't remember reading about Norwegians in the, New- in the Old Testament, but I'm sure they were there somewhere. Um, but anyway, so this, this guy's name is Oli, which is <laughs> Oli Halsby, and he said this, he said, um, he, this is how he defines prayer. He said, it's based on Revelation 3.20, which says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my, my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And Halsby comments on this verse, what does it mean? Whatever our emotions, whatever our mood, we invite Jesus into that. When we are angry and we've been offended by somebody, instead of carrying on an internal dialogue about them, you ever do that? You're really mad at somebody? Somebody becomes, I mean, this even happens in marriages sometimes. If you become mad at your wife or your husband or whatever, you start thinking, and pretty soon they, they become almost like the devil incarnate, you know, like, oh, I have something to do Instead of just bringing it to God and saying, God, I'm really upset about this. You know, this was really hurtful or painful. And and sometimes instead of actually talking to the person, we just go and talk to everybody else about it, which is not really biblical. Um, But anyway, he says, instead of carrying on an internal dialogue with the other person or pretending that we're okay, we simply invite Jesus into our anger to help us sort it out. When we're discouraged, we practice being emotionally honest with Jesus. We tell Jesus, I'm disappointed. I'm really hurt. I really thought things were going to work out different. Instead of stuffing our emotions, we allow circumstances to be the knock of Jesus on the door of our hearts. And we invite the Lord in. Instead of stuffing our emotions, we invite Jesus in. And so prayer simply is inviting Jesus into our internal life. And in this particular case, it's asking, seeking, and knocking. And Jesus uses specifically three things. And I think there's a reason that he does that. Let me go over some reasons that we don't pray. Sometimes we don't pray because we just get discouraged. I I mean, we get discouraged, don't we, about prayer? You ever pray about something for a really long time? Maybe for a family member that they would come to know Jesus or that... God would do something, or maybe you're single and you've been praying for years and years for a spouse, or you're, you're a couple and you've been praying for a child and nothing's happened, or you're in financial difficulty and you're just crying out to God and saying, God, would you, would you hear me? And you feel like literally like you're pounding on brass doors in heaven. Sometimes we, we just give up. In fact, there's a whole parable where Jesus said, uh, he told his disciples how they should always pray and not lose heart. Why does he say that? Because our tendency to lose heart in this world. 
We see things happening. We see bad things happening. We see hard things happening. And we tend to lose heart. We see, you know, like uh, on the east side of Cleveland, I don't know if this happens on the west side, but on the east side, there's, there's become these kind of rogue, rogue, rogue groups of, of young people on four-wheelers and stuff. And they'll take over like whole, whole roads. There'll be like 40 or 50 of them driving and stuff like that. And we, we see stuff like that. And our first response is, oh, that's terrible. What are the police going to do? Uh, what are, what's going to happen? And, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to, to instead of just, and, and that's an okay thing to think or to work for or to, be act- actively involved, but it's also okay to say, Jesus, would you, would you help these young people that are looking for something? They want to belong somewhere. And so where they found to belong is in this gang of, you know, four-wheelers or whatever. Help us. Would you help us? Sometimes we feel just so unworthy to come to God. I had to actually, I changed my way of praying many years ago because I used to start prayer with confession. And then I would, after about five minutes about talking to God about how bad I was, I would feel so bad I would just quit. Like, well, I might as well quit now because, I mean, who would ever hear a prayer from somebody like me? But you know who would hear a prayer from somebody like me? Our Father. He says, if you being evil, he already knows how we are. Do you know, even if you're not perfect, you can actually pray, and God will actually hear you. Good thing, right? If God only heard perfect people's prayers, then only Jesus' prayers would be heard. But that isn't how God works. In fact, there's this great passage in the Old Testament with Abraham where where God's dialoguing with himself, and he says, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are talking to themselves. By the way, you did that song called, Oh My God, this morning. OMG, right? You know what God says when he's like talking to himself about that? He says, oh myself, you know, oh myself, oh myself. But you know what? He never really asked to say that because we just do that because we're desperate. God is never really desperate. He's not desperate, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are talking to each other. And he says, Abraham's going to become a great nation. Should we share with him what we're about to do? And he was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And his answer was yes. Let's, let's involve, let's invite Abraham into this conversation about what's going on. So if you ever wonder, like, well, can I really pray about Ukraine? Can I, does God really take my input on Ukraine? Does he really take my input on whatever other countries or circumstances that are going on in our world? Yeah. And it's, it's almost humorous if you want to read it sometime. It's kind of funny. We lose sometimes the humor in the Bible. There's a bunch of really funny stuff, like in the Old and New Testaments. And they're intended to be. It's kind of um, Jewish humor. And so we sometimes don't get it. But there's this really funny dialogue between God and Abraham where he goes, well, God, if there's, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but if there's 50 people, will you not destroy it? And God goes, okay. Well, I don't want to be presumptuous. And then he does this, like, this bidding war, and he keeps going down. And eventually, what does he get down to? Anybody know? Five or ten or something like that. And bottom line, there wasn't. It wasn't redeem. It really wasn't redeemable. But the amazing thing about that is that God invited him into that conversation. We get too busy and distracted. Do you realize, I, this kind of shocked me. I was looking up 
How many times we pick up and look at our cell phones every day, on average, an American? Anybody have an idea? Throw out a number there. 100? Okay. Pardon? 11? Is that what she said? <laughs> so, no, it's 344 times a day, every four minutes about, on average, an American does. And I just thought, okay, I don't want to like browbeat people about looking at their phones so much, because I do it too. And, um, and by the way, this message is for me too. This is a message for me, because I'm not great at this whole prayer thing. I'm just not. I've been a Christian for 42 years. For, no, 44 years probably. And I'm just not great at it yet. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on trying to get disciplined. I'm still doing the, like, I, like this morning I started praying the Lord's Prayer, Father in Heaven. And then I was doing, I'm doing this new cleanse thing, so I'm drinking this lemon juice, and I get the lemon juice like halfway down, and I have this coughing fit because it triggers something in my throat. And so basically I got our Father in Heaven, and that was it. So, so if, the, if the sermon's not very good, it's only because I only got through the first part of the sermon, on the, or my, the Lord's Prayer. So, and, then, you know, and of course, if we don't finish it, he doesn't... No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, I'm, what I'm saying is I get distracted like you do. I'm ADD about prayer, you know, like, it's me, me, me. So, um, we use it, but I just thought, when I was thinking about this, I thought, how cool would it be if we just, like, every person that we're, we're t texting or looking up, and what if we just shot up one, you know, like, Lord, be with them, or be with this conversation, or be with who I'm talking to. And when I look at the news, I've started to pray when I see the news, Lord, please take care of that. There was a, pack, a flood in Pakistan a few few weeks ago, and I said, Lord, be with that flood impact, or a few, maybe it was a month ago, I don't remember. But anyway, bottom line is um, uh, th that God desires us to come to him. In fact, he, um, I'm going to jump through here, uh, he, he invites, commands, exhorts us to pray. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear that, but I, I, hear, I hear like he's basically saying every, in any way, in every way, in all the time, in everything, all, in all ways, come to your Father. Ask, seek, knock. In the, the Greek, it's, it's a continuous, like ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, seeking, knock and keep on. I don't think he's saying that because... You know, God's going, okay, they've only prayed for this once. I'm not going to really do it. Because, you know, that isn't what he's talking about. What he's talking about is, is how we pray. That we, he wants us to be people who are like Bethany, our daughter, who comes to us and goes, no, I want to see pickle. And when Bethany came to us, you know, when, when he says knock on here, I love this because I, I was listening to a message on this by Tim Keller once. And he said, often what we do is we go like this. You ever been in the house and you hear, we have cats. And eternally, our cats are finding something to knock over or tip over. Or, and when they go up and down the stairs, they're noisier than we are. You know, they go, do, 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 do. We've had people, you know, stay with us or come and be with us. And they're like, what was that? And we're like, it's our cats. And they're thinking, are they like, like what kind of cats do you have? And they're just little black. Well, one of them is actually kind of big. He's a Maine Coon, they're called. He's kind of bigger, but, but the, they're not big, but, but they're, they're noisy. And, you know, even our cats, 
which is, this is kind of amazing. Even our cats will let us know what they want, especially one of them. His name is Ari. He all the time is talking with us. Do you know that cats only do that with humans? They only do that meow thing with, with humans? Meow, you know, meow, meow. So, so God is saying, I want you to ask. Not, not just, but... Excuse me, I, I love the, the picture that John Piper, John Piper's a pastor that was in Minneapolis, he's not there anymore, but the image that he gives is like, like so you're, you're, the, one of them is your, your father's sitting right there, so you just ask him. The next one is, you're not sure where your father is, so you're walking around the house looking for where he is. The, the last one is, you, you see your father's study door, and it's shut. What does a child do? Dad... Dad, dad, right? Now, again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, 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 that God, <laughs> Charlie's over there knocking on his mom. I'm like, mom, mom, mom. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that it's because of our, it's, it's not because of us that God hears the prayer, but he's giving us the, how our hearts should be towards our Father and towards talking and dialoguing with him. That when you become a Christian, when Jesus comes into your life, that you become adopted into the family of God. When you're adopted into the family of God, and an adoption in, in the New Testament times meant that you had every legal right and privilege that, that a natural child would. We are all adopted kids of the Father. You are. I don't care how messed up you think you are. I mean, if you could see in my brain, you'd go, really, they let him pastor a church and even lead a movement of churches? Like, oh my gosh. Like, that's amazing. But, but that's, because, that's because God is just gracious and kind. But when we receive Jesus, we become his child. And guess what a child does with a father or a mother? Knock, knock, knock. Knock, knock, knock. Now, so, so that's, that's, that's our, our, our call to prayer. Our extor, extor, I don't want to say extortion. That sounds bad. Exhortion. Anyway, we're exhorted to pray, okay? Just leave it at that. There's a great, there's a great old song. And I've, I've kind of learned this sort of throughout my life. It's, um, what a friend we have in Jesus. Real simple song but kind of profound. And I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at this. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Are you forfeiting peace in your own life by just not bringing it to God and saying, God, here, here's my mess. Here's my pain. Here's my sin. Here's my whatever. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, this, this hit me kind of heavy, hot and heavy this week, is we, 
you know, you get older and you just have stuff happen to you. And so I went in, I've been having kind of this pain right here, and I, I went into the doctor, and the doctor's like, okay, I want to get a, a, a chest x-ray and an ultrasound. And I'm like, okay. So they do that, and she calls me in. Their, their nurse calls me and said, the doctor wants to see you, which I'm always like, ooh, that's not good. Well, when I get in, she said, your gallbladder, the walls of your gallbladder, it looks like, are irregular, and it's, it's a possibility there might be something on them. And I'm like, okay. And I've done this a long time. I've been a pastor a long time. And I know how to speak doctor speak. And I'm like, okay, what does this really mean? And she said, well, it's possible you have um, uh, gallbladder cancer. And I was like, I don't know anything about it. So I go and I look it up. And it's like, gallbladder cancer, possibly worse than pancreatic cancer. And I'm like, oh, this is really bad. And so for the next two or three days, my wife and I are just like, yeah. But you know what, what, what happened? One of the first things that happened is I, I, I came home from that, and, and my, I have one of these little um, Google minis in my garage that when I leave the house, I'll tell it to play music because it keeps burglars and demons out of the house. You know, I don't know if it really does, but um, Google Mini, they should advertise that. We'll keep burglars and demons out of your house, you know, Google Mini. Um, so anyway, I, so and it's playing some worship stuff. You know, the first thing that I did when I, when I got home is I just kind of cried and I just said, all right, God. On the way, the, on the way home, I told my, my, Teresa and I were talking, my wife and I were talking, I said, is this how it ends? You know, you just get this thing and then somebody says, you know, you, you might have gallbladder cancer and that's it. You know, it was, to be honest, I, it was amazingly peaceful and comforting to just go, all right, God. We've been in this together for 40, whatever, 44 years. This is where the rubber meets the road, I guess. And then they did a CT scan later in the week, and they discovered it was um, <laughs> splenetic cysts, which I have no idea what that is, but it's not cancer. And so we're like, okay. So we're on this huge emotional roller coaster up and down. And, and part of that whole journey for me and, and for Teresa, too, was was just emotionally, it's kind of traumatizing a little bit, but part of it too is just coming to our Father and saying, Father, help. Help. So, we're motivated. Jesus gives us motivation. What's the motivation? Well, everyone, now isn't that cool? He doesn't say the really holy people. He doesn't say the, 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 the super spiritual people. He says, everyone who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, does that mean that every prayer, God will answer every prayer all the time? Tim Kellergan had a good illustration of this. He said, no, that would be like giving a five-year-old a magic genie bottle and saying, here, you get three wishes. Wish for whatever you want. Now, all of us were five at one point. Some of you have had five-year-olds. Can you imagine if, if God gave every five-year-old a, a little genie bottle and they could make three wishes? Oh, my gosh. We might as well just go, go into a bomb shelter and just kind of hang out there. You know, it would be so insane. And, it, and it's insane for God to respond to, to everything the same way. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't hear that doesn't mean that God doesn't hear. 
One, one writer says this, people have always found it strange that if God is supremely wise, powerful, and loving, he shouldn't simply do everything that everyone, that they could possibly want. But as Arch, Archbishop William Temple famously said, in response to this, he's saying, God doesn't always do everything we want, but when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, coincidences stop. Some of the wisest thinkers in today's church have cautiously concluded that God kingdom, when God, as God's kingdom comes, it isn't God's will to bring it all at once. We couldn't bear it if he did. God is working like an artist with difficult material, and prayer is the way that some of the material cooperates with the artist instead of resisting him. Some of, some of the things that, you know, some of you have had really hard things happen. You've lost, lost kids lost a spouse, lost a job, seems like prayers have been unanswered. And some of those, we will never know until we're there. But Jesus also wants us to know that we can ask, seek, and knock, because God does. I, you know what, you know, faith, we were talking this, this weekend, we had a conference, and they were talking about faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You know, it's like taking a risk and stuff like this. But sometimes faith just means simply doing something. I, I can't remember if I shared this before with you, but I was several, um, several years ago, one of our members gave me a call. Her brother was, had, had been, um, uh, tried to take his life, and he had, he had a tattoo of his girlfriend. He had a fight with his girlfriend right over kind of his heart. And so I won't go into great detail because some young people here and stuff, but basically he took a 45 and just blew away about more than half of his heart, about one and a half lungs, parts of his lungs. And he was in a coma for nine months, and so we get this call from, from uh, uh, I got a call from his sister, hey, can you come to the hospital? His organs are failing, his kidney and liver, and, and um, I can't remember what else, have stopped working, and he's starting to show, it's called modeling, it's where you're blood vessel balls, your blood vessels kind of break down, and, and it's basically end-of-life stuff. And so we go in there, and the doctor's sitting with us, and, and you know, we're sitting there, and, and the doctor's explaining everything and saying, you know, he's got maybe, maybe a couple hours, maybe a day or two to live. And the mom is sitting there, and, and his name was Keith, and I can't remember how old Keith was at the time. He was probably in his 40s, maybe. And the mom's sitting there, and she goes, and she has like a, she's from down south, and she goes, she, after the doctor's all done, she goes, nope, pastor's going to pray for him, and God's going to raise him up. And I'm like, like, is there any other pastors here? You know, like, like which pastor are you talking about? So the doctor explains it again, and she goes, nope, pastor's going to pray for him, and God's going to raise him up. Well, finally, she goes, you know, she says, you know, she says that again, and, and the doctor's getting more and more frustrated. Finally, he slams the table, and he goes, blanket, woman, your son's going to die, and there's not a blank thing that you or your God can do about it. And I thought, oh, you don't, you don't really want to throw a gauntlet down with God. That's kind of a battle you're not going to win, you know? That's like, I mean, that's like Ohio State playing Toledo. I mean, just saying. <laughs> but anyway, so we get all done, and, 
And I'm not, I don't have a ton of faith for this because the guy's like dying there. You know, he's been in a coma for nine months. He hasn't woken up. He hasn't, they're kind of feeding tube and, you know, whatever, all that stuff. And so, so after this is all done, the mom says, come over. And I go over and she said, will you pray for him? And I said, sure. And so I just, you know, kind of laid my hand over him. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, I don't remember what I prayed. It's just something. And I didn't feel anything in particular. And I was, you know, I, I left there and I went home. And I get a call the next morning and I'm kind of thinking, okay, he probably died because she called me. And she said, hey, guess what? Keith woke up. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, Keith woke up. That's good. Good for, you know. I'm glad. I, maybe he's going to get a chance to say goodbye or whatever. So next day I get another call from Kathy. Hey, Keith started eating. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Keith started. This goes on and on, and eventually it's like, hey, Keith is up and walking around. And I'm like, well, this is weird now at this point. This is like, okay, he was like almost dead. Now, did, did, I, did I pray with like the amazing amounts of faith and stuff like that? No, but I did pray. So for me, faith was just going and obeying God and saying, okay, I'm just going to pray. I don't know what will happen here. I don't know if God's going to choose to take him or not, but I'm going to pray. And in this particular instance, God literally chose to raise him up. And I, I don't know if God did it because Keith needed to know more about Jesus or if God did it because he was just wanted to, you know, kind of punch back at the doctor that said, there's nothing God can do about it. I think God sometimes is like, like, really, really? You want to get into this with me? Okay. You want to go? I'll go. You know? Um, so, and, and, and he says, Jesus says that we're to pray with shameless audacity. And he does this really funny story about this guy who has a friend come over and he doesn't have any bread for this friend. And in, in ancient Near East, hospitality is really huge. And so he goes to his friend at midnight, knocks on his door. And this doesn't knock well here. I'll try. That, that doesn't work either. Um, but anyway, you know, knock on, knock on the door. And um, some of you are going to go, what was, the, what was the sermon like? I don't know. The guy just knocked on his own head. It was just weird. It just got weird. Um, but anyway, so uh, this guy goes to this house, and he knocks on the door, and the guy says, go away. I'm, you know, my family's asleep. And their houses were single-family homes. They all slept in one room. They didn't have, like, you know, bedrooms, spare rooms, television rooms, dens, you know, whatever other rooms we have. It was just a small room. And so don't, you know, and he keeps knocking. And, and you know, it says, a friend of mine has, has come, and I have not any food for him to offer. Then suppose the one... Inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him the bread because of friendship, yet because of his shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give him as much as, as he needs. Shameless audacity. What does that mean? I think what it means, very simply is that when we become a child of God, we have unlimited access to our Father. My dad used to run a big machine shop. And this machine shop 
had about 250 employees. They made some of the first hard drives for Seagate. They did all kinds of stuff. And he had like a bunch of people working for him, you know, 250 employees, and he's the president. And I would go in and guess, guess what I would do? I would walk into the office and, you know, the office, whatever person was there, they would see me and I would just walk right past them. And then I would walk right into my dad's office and I would say, hey, dad. And usually it was because I needed something. Hey, dad. You know what my dad would do? He would always be there. He would always be there. I, um, many years ago when Teresa and I first came to Cleveland, it was, it was really hard. I mean, our, coming here was, I think God was trying to set up a vineyards here, you know, just trying to set up vineyard churches. And, um, and I think we were, this was 1987, we're driving, in fact, we're driving in and the rain literally is pushing like this so hard that, that the first place we stayed that they set us up with was kind of a basement apartment. The windows of the basement apartment buckled in under the water pressure and flooded. So the first night we're there, we're flooded. And, and it went on and on like that. And it finally got to a point about three years later, I, just, I was in my room, I'm in my bedroom, and I'm just crying out. And I'm saying, Father, this is too hard. I, got, I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. I need you to show me that you love. I need, I need to, you to show me that you, that you hear me. And you know what? Two days before that, my parents had decided to surprise Teresa and us. Or Teresa and me, not us. I'm not, I'm not multiple me. It's just me. Um, so anyway, they decided to... Um, Surprise us. So literally, I'm in my bedroom, and I hear a knock on the door. And I open the door, and there's my dad. And I didn't even say any words. I just threw my arms around him, and I just sat and sobbed. And part of that was, was a human thing, but part of it, too, was my Heavenly Father going, I know what you need before you even ask. I know that you're going to need a hug from your earthly dad. And I want to show you that I'm with you. Because I had literally just said, God, you've got to show me that you're with me and that we're supposed to be here. And God tells my parents, you know, whenever, two days before, hey, why don't you take a trip to go see Brent and Teresa? And they didn't know all of this was going on. But my father in heaven, our father in heaven did. And he set the whole thing up. God doesn't always come and raise us up from, from death or whatever. But he always responds to our prayers. Amen? Let me just finish up here. I don't, I don't want to go over here. I'm probably already over here. Usual time. And, and our, ultimately, our, our prayers are rooted in our adoption as God's children. So we don't come to God like a boss. We don't, we don't come to God, you know, like a boss. When you come to a boss, you say, hey, I've done a really good job. Can I have a promotion? Or hey, I've done this and this. Can I have some time off, right? Well, what do we come to God with? When I, when I was praying for, just for God to help me, I didn't come to him with like, God, I've been really good this week, so would you send me help? No. I just came to him 
you know, naked and not, not literally naked, but just spiritually barren and open and saying, Father, would you help? Would you help? And, and Jesus puts it this way, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give good gifts to those who ask? And in Luke's translation, he translates good gifts to the Holy Spirit because there's nothing greater that we need in our lives than God's presence of his spirit. So what can we pray for? Can we pray for a new video game? Yeah. You can. I mean, seriously. You can ask. I pray, for, I pray for God all the time about stuff. It's like we need a car. Like, okay, God, you need a car. Show me a car. And God shows us, gives us really good deals on really, really good deals on cars. I've got like this thing that he just always does this. He's so kind to me. I don't think I've ever paid... I've never paid over like $9,000, $9,000. I think the last car we got is sitting out there, there is a, it was a 2010 BMW 135i convertible that I got actually for my wife. We needed a car because we didn't have a car anyway. And I, and I just asked God for it, and it, it ended up being like $9,900. And so I try, I'm dri driving it around. My wife's all embarrassed, like, oh, I can't believe it. I can't drive around a BMW 135. And I said, well, just tell them you paid, how much you paid for it, $9,900. Why? I don't know, because probably maybe because I asked, seek, and not. It doesn't mean you'll get a Mercedes Benz like Janis Joplin says it, but it does mean that God hears your prayers and will take care of you. Right? So, I just had a couple things that, um, a couple things that, that I felt like God was putting on my heart last night when I was praying for you, and I don't know if this is right or not. You know how we ask God things, and then we have kind of these thoughts and images? One of them was, I felt like, um, I felt like, God wants, in, in a lot of ways, he wants heaven to break through into this community. And that's a really cool thing. Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth, right? We want God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And part of that, I felt like somebody has a, 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 a leg. Well, you all have legs. <laughs> Most of you have legs. But has, has a leg problem and you need, need healing for it. I feel like some of you, there's somebody who's had some real con continuous head problems, maybe even seizures. I want to pray for that. I feel like some of you feel shame in coming to your father. You feel like, I, I just can't go before God. Some of you maybe have had some spiritual, maybe even demonic things going on. I, I did for many years, and my wife prayed for me one day, and I felt like somebody put a seal coat over my brain. And, and God de dealt with that. I, and, I, and this is kind of getting more detailed, but I felt like somebody's been really struggling. <laughs> and I, I was like, God, really, do I, do I have to? It's a toenail, toe fungus, you know, toe fungus. It happens. Somebody's been struggling with that. And then this is another, just a little funny thing, a, little, a bent finger, little finger. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if any of those are right. And then just for hope, 
for some of you. So I'm going to pray for that, and I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up and pray. And they, they, and they all came up to pray. Way to go, ministry team. You know, these guys are like, they're like ninja warrior prayer people. These, they, they sharpen and hone their prayer practices. So we're going um, to just invite anyone who wants to pray. Um, I can do, do you, do you usually do the benediction like so people after prayer time. So we're going to do some prayer time. So come on up. Um, Father, just come. May your kingdom come here, down here. Let your kingdom come, Father, here on earth as it is in heaven. May it come in healing. May it come in hope. May it come in, in comforting those who have lost loved ones. May it come in, in the yearnings and desires of single people who've just felt kind of empty and wanting somebody and those who have wanted a child but haven't been able to. Father, would you come and just do that? And would you be, would you be brave today and just maybe take a step forward? And part of your asking, seeking, and knocking is just a few steps. To, you don't have to come up to get prayers answered, but sometimes God does that, and he honors that when we're willing to kind of even be shamefully audacious, right? Shameful audacity. So come and just come and storm the gates today. Amen.